Hey, I'm Jay Little, the owner of Ford Counseling and Consulting. We're a consulting and coaching firm who believes in the TLC method. That's truth, love, and community. So whether coaching corporate or individual clients and giving individual and group counseling, we believe that you can be more than what you are today by finding your truth, love, and community. You can reach us at www.4cc.net or give us a call at 803-457-5413. Once again, this is Jay Little, and I'm with Ford Counseling and Consulting. Welcome, 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 welcome to the RIP 28 podcast. This is a podcast where a few friends get together and we talk about a few things. Now, some of those things you might like, some of those things you might not like, but we're going to keep on talking about them on the RIP 28 podcast. I am your host, Slider Sports Guy, joined by a few of my friends. We're going to start off, as always, with the president. What's going on there, President Tate? Cena's in the building holding it down. Let's go, fellas. On the other side, we got the educators educator. What's going on, BZ? Man, you know what it is. It's BZ the Great, the educator's educator, a.k.a. Uncle Elroy, a.k.a. your favorite coach, favorite coach. Let's get it. And down at the bottom, we got an original, an original making his return trip. It's been a while, but we got the one and only T. BZ. What's going on, T.? What's going on, everybody? First, I want to say rest in heaven, Demarius Thomas. You'll be sorely missed. And then shouts out to a frequent contributor, Miss Rashana Tania Cobb, for her uh, moving up in the world. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, then you got to ask somebody. Whole name. You the whole name. Put the whole, put the whole government out there, boy. The whole hey, he just want everybody to know he know her, know her. He ain't just jumping on. He know her. Man, well, check this out. Check this out, man. There's a lot going on out there in the world, a lot going on out in the world. But before we get to any of that, before we talk about any of that, man, we got to tell you how you can watch us, how you can get in touch with us on the RIP 28 podcast, man. The RIP 28 podcast, we're everywhere. We're everywhere you want to be. We are there, man. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we are RIP28 on Facebook, Apple Podcasts. We got a YouTube site. We got a Spotify site. We're on Podbean. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Podbait. Man, we are everywhere. Everywhere you are, that is where we are, man, the RIP28 Podcast. And we want to tell you, man, when you go and check us out, man, when you listen to us, when you watch us, make sure you hit the like button, the follow button. Make sure you share. Make sure you subscribe. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if you don't like, follow, or subscribe, your mama probably raised you wrong, man. You just probably wasn't like well as a child, man. Well, fellas, we got a lot going on this week, but we want to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to each one of our hearts, man. For all our listeners out there, our our fans, man, most of y'all know we're all former college athletes, man. You know, we all played on the college level you know, different levels, you know, uh, Chance and Tim played, well, you know, Tim played Power 5, D1, Chance played D1, I played one double A. LeBron played Division 2, so, you know, we're all, all college athletes, man, but a huge thing went on, we're all football players, 
and National Signing Day. And National Signing Day was uh was yesterday. It was yesterday. So a lot of shit happened on signing day. Now I'm be honest, we're not gonna sit up here and tell you who signed to go where and give you any type of signing breakdowns and shit like that, because obviously we don't know. We we don't know who, who went where. <laughs> We just know the big names like everybody else, man. There's too many colleges out there. We, we care about the people who, who, who went to our school. That's all we care about. <laughs> but uh, one of the most huge things that has probably ever happened on signing day, on signing day, we're going to pause that. We ain't even going to talk about that yet. That's called a cliffhanger. We're going to cliffhanger you on that, man. What we want to do, we want to talk about your signing day experience, man. You know, Tim, you the guest, man. How, how was your signing day, man? When you signed to go to go to college? Yeah, uh, so I'm start by saying that recruiting was a little bit different back in the day. Now they have multiple signing periods where uh, student athletes can commit to schools. Um, back then, we had five visits that we had to take prior to the signing day that would usually occur sometime late January, early February. And usually, if you had an early commit, then you would cancel all the rest of your visits. And so, in my particular case, uh, I visited uh, Duke University first, and then I came down to the A, Georgia Tech. Um, and you got to keep in mind, contextually, this is 1998. We're on the heels of Freak Me. The Olympics had just left two years prior. BML <laughs> is running the city. You got So So Deaf, and you've got all the other major record labels really popping in Atlanta. So Atlanta was the place to be. Uh, when I came down to Georgia Tech, they had a stand in the Marriott Marquis. Uh, I don't even remember what floor, but it was high up, and we had a chance to look at all the lights of Atlanta. When I came down into the lobby of the Marriott Marquis, I saw Robert Orr because the Lakers were in town to play the Atlanta Hawks at that time. And so uh, I went to Bobby Dodd Stadium at a historic Grant Field, as you see in my background, and I had my name in the lights. They had my jersey in the locker, and I knew that Georgia Tech was a place that I wanted to go. And so uh, that weekend, I made my commitment to Georgia Tech. And then in February, I signed my national letter of intent. And so uh, what ended up happening, the local news story came and covered uh, my high school signing, uh, along with one of my teammates, Mr. Anton Benning, another frequent contributor to the uh, podcast. Uh, and it was just a local news story, but we were destined for big things. And so I'm very appreciative and blessed for having this um, opportunity to attend Georgia Tech, to be able to go on an athletic scholarship and to be able to go to a program that was up and coming and very successful during my tenure there. What about you? What about you, uh, C-Mans? Hey, funny, funny, funny thing about it, you know, Tim went to uh, Atlanta and stayed in the dorm room all day long. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go kick it. He didn't kick it like we would have kicked I'm just messing with you, bro. But, uh, yeah, my Sunday is pretty cool, man. It, yeah, all the stuff Tim said, you know, I, I think I visited uh, Tennessee State, and I think I got me and Derek Tucker went at the same time. Uh, we got pretty uh pretty plastered over there, and I was like, if I go here, I probably won't graduate. <laughs> but I did not, I did not choose Tennessee State. I think I went to a couple other places too, and uh, had a good time, of course. But uh, I was, I thought I was going to South Carolina, and end up at the last minute, they pulled it, said they gave my scholarship some free safety from Florida. Glad they didn't tell me his name because I probably still be stalking them now. But uh. <laughs> 
but um, the coach the, used to be the coach Sparky Woods was the offensive coordinator at Memphis, and I guess he remembered me and uh, got me to come to Memphis. But uh, at the actual signing day was, was pretty cool. You get to, you know that we used the fax machines back then. We weren't really no email like that. You got you got a big old packet of, of letters and stuff you had to sign in a packet. You know you went and signed it. I think a Maybe we was in the cafeteria or something, and I uh, had a little table with a little Memphis hat and all that good stuff, man. It was it was a good day, you know. You felt kind of important, especially you know. Then once you get to the school, all the nice things they said about you, <laughs> they, they tear your ass up once you get there. <laughs> but uh, it was all good, man. It, it was a it was a great experience for sure, and just just playing college ball was great, man. Just all the memories and all the teammates you had, you know, you don't you don't really realize how many teammates you play with. It's like a hundred and some people on the team every year. You know, you got people cycling in, transferring, or graduating, and man, you just got you just got brothers for life, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you, Beasley? What was your your signing experience like? Well, I got a different experience than Tim and Chance. I um. I didn't sign right out of high school. I did get recruited and went on some visits and had a chance to do all the recruiting things. I had a, a unique experience to be able to go get recruited by Virginia Union, which is a HBCU. And I uh, went up on a Friday night, Jeremy Stewart and I, and all I'm gonna say is we had a real good time and I found out what the Greek life was about. So with that being said, I ended up going to USC Aiken before I went to North Greenville to play football. So my signing day consisted of sitting in the coach's office, signing a couple of sheets with my mom and dad and going to play football, man. So I didn't, I really didn't sign out of high school, but I had a, a real good time playing ball in college, having that opportunity. Yeah. Now, I think for me, my signing day was a little bit different because I signed the week after national signing day. Um, Chance and Chance and Derek and Ike and uh, yeah, I think all y'all signed into y'all library together. Y'all had a ceremony, ceremony and everything together um, in the library. <clears throat> but I still had one more official visit that I that I didn't take, and that was my last official visit. That was the Eastern Kentucky University, man. And, and I say, the motherfuckers from EKU got me, boy. They got me, boy. I went to EKU. And um, they took me, they, you know, they put us up in a hotel or whatever, and dude, dude uh, Drew Hall was my tour. He was a running back. He met me, he met me at the, uh, at the hotel, and he took me out to a little club. And, and one thing about Richmond, Kentucky, they have all their bars and all their clubs, like on this one stretch, this one stretch downtown, was all the bars and all the clubs. And, I mean, we were partying, having a good little time. And then probably about a quarter to twelve, he was like, "Yo, bro, let's go, let's let's go and dip to a to a frat party." So we dip out to a frat party, and you know whatever. And I'm having a good time, you know whatever. Seventeen years old, great time. The next night, Saturday night, they take me back to this our strip. We on the strip party and having a good time, great time. Everything go in, and about a quarter to twelve again, the motherfucker say, "Let's go back to this." Let's get out of here, man. Let's go someplace else, man. So he took me to another frat party. Now, fast forward to next fall. Well, I signed, 
Um, I go through my signing date. I go through my signing date. Like I said, it was a week after chance, week after signing date. It was, uh, I was in the library by myself. So I had to, you know what I'm saying? I had the state newspaper there. Um, my dad and my little sister was there with me. My mom had to work. She couldn't get off. And so my dad and my little sister, we signed. And I went and faxed all the information in or whatever. Oh, I left out a part of that story, too. The, the way Coach Kidd, Coach Roy Kidd, the way he got me was after you go through all the party and everything on Sunday before you fly out, before you fly home, you have your final meeting with the head coach. And he goes and tells, he, he, I, walk, I walk into his office and he got his hand, you know, he ain't even stood up when I walked in the office. He ain't shaking my hand or nothing. His hand's underneath the desk. And he telling me all these stories, you know, about the history of EKU and how great the program is and all this stuff like that. And then at the end, he pulls his hands out from under the desk and boom, puts his hands on the table. And on every finger, dude has a ring. And on the two, the two inside fingers is his national championship ring. He got three national championship rings on his inside finger. He says, son, everybody who goes here gets at least one of these rings. Every class gets at least one of these rings. I was like, man, you got me. <laughs> you had me sold just like that, man. Memphis can do nothing like that. We didn't win nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, first, my freshman year, though, we we won the conference, and that was like the last time they last he you last time winning the conference was about fifteen years. Man, they won the conference about fifteen years, but <laughs> but but that's how that's how they, that was my little signing day story, man. Yeah, I just want to I just want to tell y'all y'all had y'all signing days, and um, I just want to say y'all welcome for me helping y'all get y'all scholarships. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh man, come on, man! You know somebody had to say it. Why not me? Whatever, whatever. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that you couldn't lead the offense, then I wouldn't have more snaps on defense to show off. Oh, all the time. <laughs> so come on, man! <laughs> oh, you took a shot at me like that, <laughs> man. I probably could have ran it if you could block better. <laughs> Shit, I, they talking about take a three-step jump on my second step. Kill man on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it was him because he's the only lineman looking back. <laughs> but, but I tell you what, though, man, it, it is a great day and a special day for these young men, man. You know, the pride that these young men have and their family, the feeling that their family have. You see them, you know, standing up and now they do the little hat, the hat trick thing. You know, they put the hat on wherever they go. You know, I ain't even have a hat, man. I ain't had none of that shit. It's just a, a paper with a sign that said EKU in front of me. That, that's it. But but it's just a, a momentous thing for these young folk, and, and I and I'm, you know, I get kind of kind of misty eyed, man, when you look at some of these some of these kids and their parents and how they feel, man. You know, I just hope that one day for my kid he can experience it too. But fast forward to what's going on yesterday, man. Huge, huge thing in college football. The one and only Coach Dion, Primetime Sanders. Got the number two player in the nation. Number two player in the nation. Travis Hunter out of College Hill, Swanee, Georgia, to decommit 
from Florida State and go to Jacksonville State University. Do y'all understand how huge that is? Hey, you know, before, before, the reaction to that? It's just Jackson State. Jackson State. Hey, before we get before we get too far into this, man, let me tell y'all something. Jackson State is in Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. Jackson, Mississippi. It's about three hours south of Memphis, right? I've been there quite a few times. Ain't nothing down there, but but the hood, country hood. It's country hood folks down there. So you so to get somebody to come down there, it, it ain't no sights to see. Or nothing. This is all. It's all Dion doing that. You know what I mean? Coach Prime. Coach Prime is the man. Though. He he doing the big. Outside of Nick Saban, Prime is Coach Prime is the only coach that could convince me I'm wrong. <laughs> convince me I'm wrong. Hey, uh, Florida State coach is Mike Norvell, who was a uh, used to be the head coach at University of Memphis, and uh, his days are numbered at Florida State. I'm, that's all I got to say. <laughs> But my thing is, though, man, you, you look at this, man. It's like, you know, Dion comes in and he has a, a great season, man. They go 11 and 1. They're playing in the Celebration Bowl next week um, for a chance, you know, the, the SWAC versus the MEAC uh, to be the number one team in black college football. You know, but for him to get the number two player in the nation, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of folks don't understand how big that is, man. That's huge. What position does he play, Slay? He plays. He's he's a he's listed as cornerback, but he plays receiver. receiver. He plays receiver. They line him up in the backfield every now and then. He's a kick returner, a punt returner. Hell, he drives a bus on a way game sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he do it really, all. He do it all, man. You know, I, I got to see him play a couple times this year. In the state championship game, dude had 10 catches for 150 yards in the state championship. And he played against uh, a Milton team. And Milton, Milton on that team, they got, I think they had seven kids who are going to sign high major D1 scholarships this year. Seven kids, seven seniors who are going D1. And not counting all the juniors and underclass, they got the the number one defensive lineman in the nation, number one junior in the nation. So, uh, well, just think about this though. It's kind of like uh, kind of like the Penny Hardaway over at Memphis. You know, who better to learn to play cornerback from than Deion Sanders? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and Deion got that mouthpiece now. You know, he know how to talk. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to pass that up. If he get in your living room, he gonna your mama gonna gonna like him. Your daddy gonna be Especially, especially somebody our age, you know, you gonna be like that's that's Deion Sanders, man. You know, you know, you gotta look at him. You know, it, it, he got he got a lot of pull, man. He got, he got a lot of pull. Only but thing you, I'm asking is, convince me I'm wrong that Prime and Nick Saban are the only two that could get the number two player in the nation to decommit from Florida State and go to Jackson's um, State University. Yeah, he said that was his dream school, Florida State, too. Yeah, right. that's not his dream school. He committed to Florida State, I think, last Early. Yeah, yeah, he committed early. So so it, it was huge. But but my thing is, you know, it's, it's so many um, stereotypes or maybe falsehoods, and some of it, some of it's true about HBCUs or why big-time players won't go to HBCUs, you know. First, you always start off with, you know, you talk about the facilities. 
You know, you can't compare the facilities of a, a Jackson State to a Florida State. You know what I'm saying? Florida State facilities yeah. are way better, you know. And then people want to say, well, the level of competition, Florida State, you're going to play better people. You're going to have better people around you. And then the, another thing is, you know, NFL, your chances of making it to the league. Um, if you go to Florida State, you know, people go say, oh, well, you're going to have a better chance to make it to the league if you go to Florida State over Jackson State, man. So, you know, those are all the reasons that people would say don't go to HBCU. But yet this kid, he said, man, I'm going to go. He said, you know, I'm going to be the one to initiate change. And that's a lot. That's a lot for yeah. a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. Uh, I, I, I caution everybody from overhyping this situation, right? Because it's not like HBCUs are being replete of talent. I mean, you can go back years and years and years. I mean, you can start just two years ago with John Morant when he was playing this basketball. Uh, you can go back to the 90s with Steve McNair. John ain't played HBCU. John played in Murray State. Murray State's not a... No, Murray nah, State. Not, not Morgan. He's not saying Morgan is Murray State. Murray State. Yeah, Murray State. I got that mixed up. Yeah, the point of the matter is that, you know, there's there's been a lot of talent that goes to the HBCUs. And what Sly alluded to was the fact that uh, there has been a lot of negative publicity for HBCUs um, that we popularize in terms of what we talk about. So when the kids are trying to make their decisions, uh, people get in their ear and say all the things that Sly says. And then as a result, uh, the kid may flip their decision from the HBCUs to uh, a larger power five school like a Texas or USC or whatever the case may be. So one of the things that I appreciate about Coach Prime um, that I think that uh, our guys on the panel can agree here is that he's using his notoriety, he's using his fame, and he's giving back to his community in that particular way. Um, and that's something that um, a lot of us can use as a lesson moving forward in our lives, right, is using our human capital to contribute to people who look like us, who go to institutions that we want to go to, um, so that those institutions can rise and have a better reputation and also have better quality. Uh, this all this all changes when um, Florida State fired their coach and, and then Deion Sanders go there. So <laughs> I, 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 I wonder about that sometimes, like how long is he going to stay at Jackson State? I mean, if, if he does, if he if he's in it for the long run and he, he's going to build that to a powerhouse, uh, I mean, more power to him, but I think he, uh, you know, interviewed for some other jobs just this year. So, I mean, you recruit these guys to your school and then you leave them. How's that going to work? You know what that's, I mean? That's, that's kind of – that's 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 not, not 100% true. Like, TCU um, wanted him to interview for a job. They expressed interest in him, but he never interviewed for the TCU job. Now, the one thing about, about Dion, the reason I think he won't go anywhere – it's because he's already rich. You know what I'm saying? Money, money ain't a factor for him. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge is a factor for him. And I think he truly cares about his people. I think he truly cares about black folk. And so money won't be the thing that will, you know, sway him to go to Florida State. Now, I say that, but if Florida State come out and say, we're going to give you $15 million a year, <laughs> you know, 
How you pass that up? That's how you pass it up. How you pass it up? But I don't, I don't think money is the thing that'll get Dion out there. You know, you know, with the fans burning his jersey after he flipped the recruit, I'm not sure how Georgia State is, Florida State is as a destination now. I totally understand that. I also think that if you're part of the um, Jackson State administration, you knew that when you signed Dion that he had a shelf life. Um, so you've kind of prepared for this day moving forward. Um, and hopefully you've got a plan. Hopefully Dion is assistant with that plan in terms of succession planning, right? Um, but the good thing is we're seeing an influx of leadership talent also go to the HBCU. So you got Hugh Jackson, you got Eddie George, you got other high profile people who made a name for themselves at the professional level coming back to the HBCUs and once again, giving their talent. So, um, you know, Dion's not the only one to be committed there. Uh, certainly he's more high profile because of his successes, both on and off the field. Um, but uh, hopefully we can continue to see this trend continue to go and really be elevated across the board. Um, real, quick, real quick, I'm gonna make two quick points. <clears throat> My dad always told me, it's not where you at, it's what you do where you at. Mm-hmm. So if you got talent, they gonna find you. Right. I played oh, against yeah. a dude, I, when we were in AIA, um, I, I played against Ronald Dixon. He played at Lambeth University. He ended up playing for the New York uh, Giants, and he ran a kickoff back in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. So that lets you know if you got the talent, they'll find you. That's my first point. And then um, my second oh, hold, hold that point. Hold that point right there, LeBron. Hold for a second because I, I wanted to jump into that right there and, and talk about the NFL because that's one of the things people talk about uh, HBCUs. If you go to an HBCU, you won't get a chance for scouts to look at you in the pros. And I'm glad you said what you said, LeBron, because the NFL is about making money. And the way they make money is winning. So the NFL, they're going to find the best player they can find that's going to help them win. And yeah, I think that's a matter for debate, Sly. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, that's just, that's, I can see where, I can see where you can be a little bit cynical on that, but the NFL is about making money. And yeah. if they can win and make money, that, that's even more money for them. Yeah, I think that what you're seeing, too, is the rule, the old guard has shifted and there's new rules in place that help benefit everyone. So, for example, the fact that uh, if you play at an HBCU, you'll still get that national notoriety via the TV network deals that they have. Um, You know, the fact that anybody can upload their highlights to YouTube, any of these streaming platforms um, and really showcase their talents to a wider audience and be able to send it to um, different coaches so that geographic barriers aren't a, a thing anymore. Uh, you got a lot of different ways to really kind of self-promote yourself. So kind of like what LeBron says, if you're talented, you can actually show that. Um, but in terms of some of those old values, I mean, you know, just earlier this year uh, or maybe it was last year, we had some NFL owners kind of get in trouble um, for some socially inappropriate comments and behaviors um that's something that's always going to make the news right so uh those types of habits die young and just keep that in in mind yeah yeah you know and 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 it's it's interesting you talk about social media and how, how the nfl how different people can find you um i guess i want to i want to backtrack to the stereotypes the stereotypes we talked about 
about why you wouldn't go to the go to HBCU, you know, is, is the talent level. People say, okay, well, you won't play the talent level. Well, with the talent level now, because a lot of these HBCUs play these money games and stuff like that. So you're going to play a big, each HBCU is going to play one big time school every year just because they sure. need money. You know what I'm sure that game you good. You know? So you, you're going to face talent. You're going to face talent. So that talent level argument is kind of kind of a little bit out the window. It's, it's sort of getting out the window. And then you talked about the, uh, the internet also. Um, right now, college football is a business. College football has always been a business. But it's becoming even more of a business now with the uh, – name, image, and license, the NIL. Now it's becoming likeness. Yeah. Now it's becoming a real business because you have some of these, some of these schools, you have uh, some of these schools where their, their alumni and their donors or whatever, if they have a business, they can offer you, they can offer the kids, say, hey, I want you to advertise for my business. I'm going to pay you. Ten thousand dollars. I'm paying you twenty thousand dollars. I'm paying you whatever, so you can advertise for Chance's hot dog stand. You know, you can be the, the main salesman for Chance's hot dog stand, and I'm gonna give you twenty thousand dollars. Chicken wings. Yeah, chicken wings yeah. stand. You know. What I'm saying? <laughs> and so now, if I'm a college coach at, at uh, UT, and we, we're not sure if it's Texas or Tennessee, but they just had, had had a deal set up where every offensive lineman who goes to UT has a chance to make $50,000 a year. Every offensive lineman has a chance to make $50,000 a year. So if I'm an offensive lineman anywhere in the nation, where do you think I'm trying to go? Alabama. <laughs> if Alabama ain't paying 50 G's, I ain't going to Alabama, goddamn shit. Yeah, I mean, but do, do you really think Alabama's not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Now, now what this name, image, and likeness does, it kind of gives HBCUs, certain HBCUs, just a little bit of a sliver to get in. Like, people wonder about this kid, Travis Hunter. Why did he choose um, Jackson State? Now, of course, Dion's a great spokesman. Dion's a great person. But Dion also has a deal with Barstool, Barstool Sports. And so it is rumored. We don't know if it's true. But uh, the Travis Hunter kid, uh, they say he's, he's, he's going to get close to a million-dollar deal with Barstool Sports to go to Jackson State. So I'm pretty sure um, if Alabama had a deal with Barstool, they might have had a chance at him. Or if Florida State had a deal with Barstool, they might have had a chance at him. But no, Dion did. Hey, look, that was that lead, that that was a perfect segue to my second point. Go ahead. With these with these HBCUs, the things that they're going to miss out, quote unquote, from going D1 Power Five. They're going to gain with the possibilities that they have, like Travis Hunter, because of Dion, because of Eddie George, because of um, 
what's my diagram with Tim? Hugh Jackson. Exactly. Yeah. Those guys are going, like Tim said, using that platform not only for themselves, but to garner that attention for their schools and for people that look like them, giving those extra opportunities that they may not have if they went to Alabama because there they just one of the guys. So, I mean, they, they make up with, they have pros and cons on both sides, is what I'm saying, as going to an HBCU and a Power Five. It, and, and it's, uh, to me, to me, the football is, is a little bit more difficult to kind of change the culture. And you get these young kids and say, we're going to start going HBCUs. I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot easier with basketball. Because with football, true enough, they got one big time, um, one big time recruit. But you need a whole lot more than a cornerback if you want to have a great football team. But with basketball, you mess around and get three top players, and that changed your whole program. You yeah, know? that's probably not going to happen in, in basketball. Just from the standpoint of those guys are able to pretty much come out as 18 year olds and compete professionally. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a kid, then why would you go to an HBCU when you can immediately go to the NBDL or any of the other um, professional leagues? There's actually one that's starting up in Atlanta, in Atlantic Station. Yep. Um, they're building uh, a whole okay. brand new facility. Um, overtime? Yeah I, yeah, I think it's called overtime. overtime. I can't remember what it is, but they're going to pay the players like $100,000. So again, you know, if players, based on this argument of the NIL, are making business decisions based off of who can offer them immediate returns, then why wouldn't you just turn pro at 18 as opposed to going to college, any college? Um, well, you're still well, an amateur. Here's the argument that, that, that people are going to use. And now they're going to be better salesmen than me that's going to have to try to convince 18-year-old this. But if you go to overtime elite, um, first of all, um, now, this is just from me knowing people, you know, knowing scouts in the NBA and knowing people at Overtime Elite, is how long is Overtime Elite going to last, all right? Mm -hmm. Overtime Elite is direct competition with the, with the G League, direct competition mm -hmm. with the G League. Because right now, as a G, in the G League, you can go to the G League as a senior in high school. A lot of people don't know that. But it's a kid named Scooter Henderson from right here in Cobb County in Atlanta who, who, who <laughs> forego his senior year and went to the G League and played in the G, G League, and he is, he's averaging like 26 a game in the G League now. So Overtime Elite is direct competition with the G League. The G League is going to open up, and they're going to start letting some of these 17-year-olds in there. So now, how long will Overtime Elite last? See, the problem with Overtime Elite, Overtime Elite, they're based off of, uh, you know, just overtime, and they do all these little Instagram posts and TikTok posts, and they get these quick hitters, and they just make a bunch of money off the internet like that. But to actually have that, I've been in that facility. That facility is beautiful. That facility is better than every G League facility in the nation, probably on par with some NBA facilities, all the stuff that they have in there. But the thing is, how long will it last? Because if you're a top talent, what the NBA is going to do, they're going to make it known that their scouts aren't going to overtime elite. Because overtime elite, they have three teams. And those three teams, they can't play high school teams. 
they can only play post grad post grad prep school team, and that that's not playing the best talent. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah but that, right now you're. Hmm? Yeah, your argument is still based off of a profit motive, right? And so you're yeah. basically saying that if I'm an athlete, then I'm going to go who's paying me. And so uh, I do agree with your point that with basketball, you are going to have more opportunities in order to get paid, right? I mean, you don't have to play in the NBA. You can play overseas. There's a million leagues overseas. There's a million leagues domestically, right? So you got the big three of Ice Cube, as an example. Uh, you've got the other... Uh, big tournament lead that's televised in the summertime. So there's ample opportunities for you to eat as a basketball player. Whereas football, you're going to need that gestation period out of college so that your body can mature so that you can even play professionally, right? So that's going to be the difference between football and basketball. Um, but again, you kind of create a framework where if you're already an established program that has money coming in, like Alabama, like Clemson, um, you're going to have certain distinct advantages that some of these other schools aren't going to have. Right. Um, but I think one of the things that we really focus on when we talk, have this conversation is the fact that what Coach Prime and people like him are doing, they're introducing other elements that aren't just money related, that are just as important, if not more so than the money related, because, you know, money's going to come and money's going to go. Right. But am I comfortable going to a school that's potentially hostile to me? Uh, and we're talking about power five school if my team's not doing well, right? Like imagine you're one of those players at Clemson this year who underperformed relative to what they've come to expect, right? Imagine you went to class on Monday and how you may have had stairs and eyeballs and all those other things, right? Whereas if you went to a place like Jackson State or South Carolina State, plug to the hometown team, Benedict College, right? You may not necessarily have that hostility that you feel on campus. Those things are beginning to matter more and more and more as we move forward into this brave new world and some of these social realities become redefined. Yeah. You know, and that's, I guess that's the benefit. A lot of people talk about the benefits of going to HBCU. You know, people always tell me it's the family atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I didn't go to HBCU, so I don't, I don't know. But from what I hear, you know, it's, it's the family atmosphere. You know, your people care about you there versus going to some of these major institutes, man. You know, if you ain't winning, it ain't fuck about you. It ain't gonna fuck about you, man. You got to be affecting that bottom line at the big schools. If you ain't making no money, you're out of there. They can use And see, see what, <laughs> but I think what's going to happen, man, with this, with, with everybody being able to make money in college now, I think, yeah, I think you don't have a lot of kids, man. They gonna, it depends on who their parents are. They're gonna be swayed. Well, you can go to Alabama and make $200,000, or you can go to Jackson State and make $150,000, you know, and and I think a lot of times that hundred and fifty thousand dollars gonna win out over that two hundred thousand. You know, I mean, if the money close like that. Now, mm-hmm. if you're getting a million to go to Alabama and Jackson State only gonna give you fifty thousand. You know, I would understand why why hey, you go to Alabama. Hey, kind of on the on the flip side of that, I I wanted to bring up one other thing because uh, you know, my daughter goes to Tennessee State right now, and uh, Master P's son went to Tennessee State. He's already transferred midway through the season, and I think he had a he had an NIL deal for like two million dollars with some uh, tech company or something. 
And uh, they were saying they were saying because the the medical staff or something wasn't as good or something like that. Yeah. So that that's a negative effect on this, but uh, I think some other people can tough it out. You know, I don't know, but I I, I can't believe that he he would do that in the middle of the season. Like they, it ain't even halfway through the season yet, is it? Yeah, he he got th- he got a thing about Master P kid, man. From from everything I heard about him, is that maybe Tennessee State was the school he actually belonged at. I mean, you know, his level of play, and you know, a lot of this, a lot of these ranking stuff is is based on who who seen. You know what I'm saying? You know, some people they might have seen him on a good game and said, yeah, he belongs at Duke. You know, and somebody might have seen him on a bad game and say, nah, he belonged at Benedict College. You know, so, so rankings is kind of tricky. But the thing with P's kid is P's kid, what before he got hurt, he wasn't getting any run at Tennessee State. He wasn't getting any run before he got hurt. And now when he got hurt, now I do believe when Master P says that their training table, their facilities weren't as good as some of the major schools. And Master P, you can say Master P a lot of things, but Master P ain't no dummy. Master P, he understand business and he understand, you know, my son has a chance to, to be a multimillionaire. And if he has a, a injury that could hurt him potentially forever and this school can't fix it, I'm going someplace where they can fix it. So that's the main separator, I think, that, that HBCUs are going to have to uh, catch up to, the facilities. The facilities. He got enough money. Huh. He got enough money that he could, he could pay for it if, if they couldn't. He, he shouldn't do it like that. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I my opinion. If, if, you're trying to make a, if you're trying to make a statement like, I'm going to an HBCU because of all these good reasons, and then you're going to, butt, you're going to drop out because of that bull. I, I'm like, man, come on now. If, if you stay for the cause, that's what you're there for. But maybe that's the wake-up call they need, though. Maybe that's the wake-up call Tennessee State needs. Like, yo, I got this blue chipper. I got this kid who, who's a baller, and he ain't staying here because our facilities ain't good enough. So we need to go and get Oprah. Tell Oprah, call up Oprah. Hey, this your alma mater. I need you to throw a couple of million at us so we can build us a new facility. You know yeah, that sounds good, but how? But even though you Oprah give you whatever, I mean, if it's two million dollars, that still ain't catching up to where you need to be if if you're at a poor facility. Man, it's also about it's it's thirty million a year just off of TV. No, but 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 I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't like the way he did it either. Chance. I, I don't like it's, it's not my. It's not my call. But I would at least make my son, if, if he was hurt, get it fixed, let him go ahead and, 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 and support the team and then do, get in the transfer portal. I wouldn't have just did it because I wouldn't have wanted to leave that black eye for our people. That's just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's also an oversimplification of uh, these financial structures at the HBCUs because uh, it's not just a matter of having a big time donor giving them money. I mean, you got to keep in mind too, a lot of these places are federally funded. Uh, so they're getting their money from the government, and this is why voting and stuff matters, right? And so uh, while I won't go into a lot of detail about it, just pay attention to the most recent piece of legislation that the Biden administration had as it relates to HBCUs um, and how they ended up being operationalized. 
Um, and these are some of the structural challenges that they have from really having um, certain types of competitive um, strengths accentuated because um, just structurally over the course of time, uh, they've been handicapped by a lot of different factors. What's up, podcast world? This is BZ the Great, the educator's educator from the RIP 28 podcast. I would like to take a moment to tell you about Unique Smiles by Tony, the ultimate one-stop shop for your teeth whitening services. They offer many services for your teeth beautifying experience. Unique Smiles by Tony offers teeth whitening, gum detox, lip treatments, and even tooth gems. Go to www dot unique smiles by tony.com to see all the services offered or you can give her a call at 470-707-5556 to book your appointments while you're there check out some of the products that she has to offer in her shop the unique lip balm electric and sonic toothbrushes unique smiles charcoal toothpaste teeth whitening gel, and many more exciting products. Set your appointments up online or give her a call at 470-707-5556. That's 470-707-5556. Unique Smiles by Tony. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've been handicapped. That's why I don't know, nobody never go there, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, you had the people who were good good college uh, or good high school players, but, you know, probably their size didn't uh, equate to the D1 level, so they end up going to those schools. But, I mean, that that's, that's what we're trying to change now, change the narrative, you know, have people that, you know, say, hey, I'm going to go to HBCU just because I think it's the right thing to do. Hey, speaking of that, I mean, I think when you talk about recruiting and how good somebody is, I think it's about the fit of a system. Yeah. You got to be in the right fit because you you have a certain skill level doesn't mean you're a fit with that system or with those teammates because if you got have too many guys that have the same skill set, you kind of offsetting each other. So I think you have to be in the right system, man, to kind of, you know, know how good you are and kind of find your way. Mm-hmm. That's a lot harder to do in football than basketball. You know, basketball, you like, all right, I, I need a team. Like some people need a team who pass the ball seven times before they take a shot. Some some people need a team that's running and gunning, you know what I mean? But uh, football – I mean, unless you play a skill position like receiver where they where you like, all right, I want somebody in the, in the shotgun offense, West Coast offense type thing. Uh, but, I mean, defensively, uh, a defensive player, you, you should be able to go anywhere. I mean, if you if you can play defense, you can play defense. But, you know, offense like quarterback, wide receiver, you know, that, that's really where the fit come in. But uh, other positions, I think, if you can ball, you can ball. Like running back, I mean, you ain't going to go to somebody who passed, you know, 60 times a game. But if if it's a running school or something like that, you know, that's a good fit for you. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, of course, as a player, you want to go where it's a good fit. You want to go with, with the team that fits you the best. But but it's just it's it's a lot of variables that go into choosing that HBCU. And I think I think what's gonna happen, Jackson State is gonna end up becoming just a class above everybody because Dion's there and the amount of money Dion's gonna pull in. Because now the next thing is gonna change at Jackson State. You're gonna see the athletic facilities change. You're going to see Nike or Undarm or whoever the hell Dion is with go come in and you're going to see a, a $30 million athletic facility going, going up next. You know, you're going to see a, a training table, a new locker room is going to get put in. The bells and whistles going to start to come now. And, and you don't, you're going to see all that now because – you know what I don't I, what I think was gonna happen, Jackson State is gonna just rise above everybody because Dion is there. And now you got Hugh, you got Hugh Jackson over at our Grambling, and you got Eddie George at Tennessee State. Now I think Tennessee State is also gonna be one that's gonna to increase too. Because Tennessee State, even though they're HBCU, Tennessee State doesn't play in any of the HBCU conferences. They played it, you know, Tennessee State used to play against us in the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference. But Tennessee, uh-huh. Tennessee State is a school that has a rich uh, alumni base. And, you know, you start off with Oprah, you know, mm-hmm. excuse me, Tennessee State alumni. So, what, you know, you know, it's going to be a lot of little things that start to change that. And I think these high schoolers going to start to come around with some of these HBCUs, man. I think that you can really feel like the HBCUs have arrived when they start getting linemen on the par that a UGA or a Alabama would get, right? You yeah. get those big 6'6", 325-pound behemoths um, that, you know, look like they should be playing on Sunday as soon as they come out of high school. Uh, that's when you can say that they've kind of arrived because kind of like Chan said, um, skill positions, I mean, they're, they're great. They're fun to watch. Um, but in terms of really impacting the game and really kind of taking it to the next level, you need those trench works. Um, along the same lines, when we talk about uh, athletic departments that have traditionally had larger budgets as HBCUs, um, we're looking at somebody like uh, Alabama State. We're looking at like a Florida A&M. Um, and looking at Alabama State this year, they didn't have the greatest year, right? And so facilities aren't always going to translate to uh, wins and losses either, although they will be helpful in terms of retention and some of the other issues that we face uh, using Master Peace Sun as an example. So, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things where it's just a little bit too early to tell, but it's definitely a great story in the intermediate sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a great story, man. I love I love what the, this young kid, Travis Hunter, did, man. But, you know, something else we don't talk about, we don't talk about the pressure that these young kids are under. Mm-hmm. You know, when we signed, none of us was, you know, top-notch recruits in the nation. It wasn't no pressure. You a lie. Yeah. Don't lie, boy. Don't get on, don't get on, uh, on the end line like that. Yeah. I was Travis <laughs> Hunter in the press. <laughs> yeah, ain't, ain't nobody coming after you for signing to go to North Greenville. Ain't, ain't nobody from Benedict came and threw eggs at your front door. 
<laughs> you don't know that. I think they, I think they had put a nail in my tire one time, though. Yeah. But that's about it. <laughs> but, but it's amazing, though, the pressure that these young kids have to go through, man. Because you know, I'm a comment reader. I love reading the comments, man. Somebody tweeting mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you see all the shit that these kids hear in their comments from grown ass men, grown ass men who mad because a 17 year old ain't go to his school. And the funny thing is, a lot of the people mad never even went to the school themselves. Mm-hmm. And never yeah. even played. Never even played. Never played, never went to the school. And they mad because this kid ain't, ain't get to it, man. So it, it takes a lot, man, out of, out of somebody to be 17 years old to make a decision like that. Yeah, yeah. quick quick question for, for all of you guys. Uh, maybe not y'all, but... Um... <laughs> When when you when you when they find out that you was a good ball player, you was going to college, did y'all did y'all come up on like a 20, 30 new cousins that you never heard of? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my dog right there, that's my cousin, that's my people, you know, take care of you. Like hey, it was so funny, like you, you got people like, don't forget about me when you go to the league. You know what I'm saying? It's like just and and like you said, we wasn't just the uh, the cream of the crop out there, but just to, just think of uh, your boy that just went to Jackson State that was a uh, number two player in the nation. How, like you said, how much pressure they got. You know, you got family members that you ain't never heard of coming, thinking that you're going to – they're going to ride your coattails all the way to the league. You know what I mean? It's crazy sure. out there. Yeah, just imagine if you went to a school that was like Jasper County, Georgia, you know, one of those kind of schools where you're the only school in like a 20, 30-mile radius, right? Listen, bro, I didn't get the the the, the experience all the pressure, but um I was coaching a kid that um at Columbia High at our alma mater and just reading the, the comments when he signed with Alabama from Gamecock fans in state schools. I was like, man, this kid is 17 years old. He went where he wanted to go, where he has to spend four years at. That's what people forget. Everybody that said, why you went there? You don't have to be there. It's my job to be there for four years. I got to be there in, in these towns. So it is a lot of pressure, man. Like these kids are always under the spotlight. They can't go anywhere without a camera following them, man. Like the kid, Mikey, Mikey uh, Williams and yeah. all those kids, man. Like, dude, they don't get a chance to be kids. People forget about that. And a lot of people live their lives through these young men. So they add that pressure to him, man. I ain't never get to make it. Yeah, you didn't make it because you didn't have the talent. <laughs> That's what you don't tell them. So don't add. We a lot of people still living through kids, man. And I'm sure I'm gonna do that with my kid, and I want him to be the best. But you know, I don't want to add no pressure to him. I just want him to, you know, grow naturally and whatever fits him. I support. Yeah, man. It, it's we'll tough see. On this year. Huh? I said we'll see. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I done had my time, man. My time is over. I ain't I ain't got no eligibility, don't want none. I just want the best for my kid, dog. Whatever the best is for him, I'm good. I, I, I already see you, uh, Laval Baldry. Laval Baldry <laughs> over there. Hey, but check this out. Laval Ball is successful. He he three for three. So, I mean, you, you go do that in the major league, boy, you in Cooperstown in five years, so I'm good with that. 
You could you could be LeVar Ball or Flavor Flav. So I'll take <laughs> I'll go with LeVar Ball. You know, when you bring up LeVar Ball, there's a clip circulating of him kind of talking about the secret to his success. And basically what he was saying was he coached his family to keep everything in the family. And he was yeah. talking about the differences between how his family is currently doing that, but then other ethnic groups, uh, they also do that as well. But in the Black community, we feel like we have to do things kind of solo dolo, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, once again, just uh, what this whole Dion thing is potentially symbolizing, signaling and symbolizing to the Black community that, yo, like, we can take care of our own and we can really lift our profile if we continue to stick together. I think it's very interesting because, you know, when I go to our hometown, I go across the river back to where I grew up uh, before I moved over to the Brown River Roadside, right? And that part of town hasn't changed for the better part of 30 or 40 years, right? When you go over there off Monticello Road, you go off there by Fairfield and North Main, right? It's pretty much exactly as I remember. It's like going back in time. So um, just one of those things that um, shows that, you know, our community still has some challenges to overcome, but we've got some templates. We've got some examples that can help us pull through. I, I talked about that uh, uh, before with uh, some other people too, like, you know, like the, the foreigners, uh, like like just, just say the Latinos, uh, uh, Hispanic people. They'll they'll get one house and have thirty people living in that house, but all thirty of them working, you know, building that money up. You know what I'm saying? Us as us as a people would never would never do that. You know what I mean? And I mean at, at at one time, I mean at that point in time, you'd be like, man, you got thirty people living in this house, people sleeping on the floor, blah blah blah. But then next thing you know, everybody got a house, everybody got a nice car, and they got businesses, all kind of stuff like that, man. You, you know, you gotta. You got to sacrifice a little bit to get the way you want to be. And a lot of us aren't willing to do that. So that, that's a good point. Well, I don't want to be under the roof with 30 of y'all. I'm just I, mean, I, know, I know you don't. That, that's that, that, that why we stay. We're going to stay there. Crystal burning in the kitchen. Crystal <laughs> on the grid. But, but I, think, I think, though, that that's the point right there, LeBron. Though. You don't want to be. You don't. You don't want to be in, in that house. I'm baby. joking, man. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, but I, I know you're joking. But it's a little truth behind every joke, and, and you might be joking, but somebody, you know, somebody who think the same, who think that way, and, and dead serious with it, man. But that's how you build. That's how you build generational wealth. Well, yeah. You know, you gotta, you know, sacrifice for a little bit. So that you can go out and you can have it on, you know, you can have it on your own later, and that's what hurts us, man. I had a, a ex girlfriend of mine. Her brother would always talk about, you know, buying a plot of land because you know he had some land out in Lower Richland, and he was like, he wanted, he wanted us to move out there and move on his land, and, you know, just build the house on the front of his land, and you know, her other brothers and sisters build a house on the front of they on the land. And you know how the whole family all stand out there and just mm -hmm. building up on the land. That's why I've known you a long time, and I don't know what's more unbelievable that you had a girl that liked you, and now that's your ex, or that her brothers liked you. <laughs> hey, that's, a, hey, that's a combination of both, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was thinking about 
He probably was thinking about doing it, but he messed up and she broke up with him. Before <laughs> <that>. <laughs> the family, the family's always like me. I ain't never had a problem with the family not liking me. It's just, it's just the women liking me after too long. You know. <laughs> so, well, yep. oh well, man. But check this, man. We running close to time, man. We running close to time. We we can talk about this all night, but we gotta go. We gotta move on, man. Any parting shots before we get out of here, man? We always start off with the president, man. Any parting shots before we get out of here? Hey, man, hey, go with your heart, man. You know, you can, you like going with the NIL and everything. All the all the possibilities are endless out there, man. So do go where you want to go. Don't go where it's, it's popular to go. Do what you do. You know, you can you can you can make it from anywhere. What about you, BZ? Anything you got to say before you get out of here, BZ? The only thing I say is there's no progress without struggle, man. So while you're in that struggle, learn everything you can. You learn a lot about yourself in the struggle, man. So don't 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 take the struggle for granted, and go with your heart, man. Whatever makes you happy, go for it. Put your all into it. Doctor Brown, you got anything to say for you get out of here? Yeah, man, you know, we living in a precarious time. A lot of people are going through a lot of different things right now. So if you can be anything, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. All right. All right, man. Well, this has you been can a do great, it. Put your back into it. This has been another <laughs> great episode of the RIP 28 podcast, man. This is a podcast where a few friends get together and we talk about a few things. Now, some of those things you might like, some of those things you might not like. But we're going to keep on talking about them on the RIP 28 podcast. Remember, man, go where you want it, not where you tolerate it. We'll see you later on the RIP 28 podcast. Hey, 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 hey.